0: Circle, yes we rotate. Three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha. Three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha. Three hundred and six, three hundred and six, three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin. This is occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. This week on Full Circle, we'll be spending the hour with multi-talented performance artist Joy Damiani. On tonight's show, we'll hear original music performed by Joy Damiani. We'll also be speaking with Joy about the release of her new book about her military service. It's called, If You Ain't Cheatin', You Ain't Trying" and Other Lessons I Learned in the Army. And of course, we can't forget about her podcast. It's called, What the Folk. We'll be talking about that. That's all tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewell and Franklin. I'm coming to you from right here in downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Yes, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Free Willin Franklin, and I will be your host tonight. And as I mentioned in the intro, we will be spending the hour with multi-talented Joy Damiani coming right up. By the way, that was her track, It's Alright Not To Be Okay, and we'll be talking about her music and more coming up. But real quick, before we get into the show tonight, I just want to let you all know about the 2022 KPFA Holiday Craft Fair, and this year the annual craft fair will be held at the Alameda County Fairgrounds in Pleasanton. It's a new location for us. It'll be on Saturday, tomorrow, December 3rd, and Sunday, December 4th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. There will be 150-plus local artists and craftspeople, including ceramics, jewelry, home goods, apparel, body care, textiles, woodwork, toys, and of course, much, much more. And this is a great opportunity to take care of some of that holiday shopping list, if that's your thing and all while supporting independent artists, craftspeople, and, of course, community-powered radio, KPFA. There will be local seasonal concessions and a special live KPFA broadcast from the fair. Also, DJ Andy Kabick will be playing KPFA-inspired vinyl tracks all weekend. Admission to the crafts fair is $12 for adults for our seniors and people with different abilities, and anyone under 18 is free. And the proceeds from the door are what benefit KPFA Public Radio. Also, your entry fee is good for both days, so if you come on Saturday, you could return on Sunday. And remember, our new home is at the Alameda County Fairgrounds in Pleasanton. We're BARTable with a free shuttle from the Pleasanton-Dublin BART station. And there's also low to no cost parking options at that BART station. All right. That's the KPFA uh, 2022 Holiday Crafts Fair. Check it out uh, tomorrow and Sunday. But yes, on with the show tonight. And tonight we are in for a special treat. We got ukulele star, musician, folk singer, boxer, activist, (laughs) military veteran, (laughs) and a veteran for peace. And now added to that long, beautiful resume is author. That's right. Tonight with us is Joy Damiani, and she is the author of a new book, If You Ain't Cheatin', You Ain't Tryin', and Other Lessons I Learned in the Army. Welcome back to KPFA in Full Circle, Joy.
1: Thank you so much, Franklin. It's great to be back.
0: Yeah, um, it's always good to have you on. I uh, really appreciate all the work that you do, your music, your stories, and everything that you just share about yourself. So um, it's a pleasure to have you back to enlighten the KPFA listening audience. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no pressure, though. Well,
1: fingers crossed. I don't know. Hopefully we just will keep keep each other entertained. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, before we get into the actual book and it's If You Ain't Cheating, You Ain't Trying Other and Other Lessons I Learned in the Army, can you give us your um, your shortened version about how you got into joining the military and actually why you signed up?
1: Yeah, I'll give you a tiny nutshell because the book kind of opens with it in the first couple chapters, but um, really the nutshell is it seemed like the best option at the time and the recruiter made a pretty uh, convincing push and uh, and I, uh, I decided to go for it. I needed money for school. I wanted to get out on my own. I was feeling pretty uh, immobile (laughs) at home, feeling fairly oppressed and fairly uh, constrained. So the military was kind of my way to get out of that.
0: And tell us, what years was this when you were about to sign up?
1: Yeah, uh, the recruiter reached out to me a couple of months after 9-11 And uh, and convinced me to go for it. I I left for basic training in June of 2002. And um, I had signed up for five years. And six years later, they let me out. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, it it was 2008 when I got out after two deployments to Iraq. And uh, a whole lot of, you know, eye-opening experiences.
0: And how old were you when you signed up? I was 19. which
1: feels like I was such a baby. You know, the older I get, the more I realize how, uh, how much of babies we are when, when the military decides that we're ready
0: to go to war. Definitely. And uh, my uncle who I never met RIP, uh, John Charles Sterling died in Vietnam when he was just 20. So yeah, really young, young folks out there doing, doing this work. Um, Well, let's talk about the book because these are stories you get into the book and Some of the reading that I've done is that you're sharing personal stories that may not be personal, that they'll belong to anyone that reads your words. But tell us about some of the stories that you share in your book, If You Ain't Cheating, You Ain't Trying, and other lessons I learned in the Army.
1: Yeah, well, it kind of covers all of the things that I I kept getting asked about when I got out of the military. People would ask me things like, why did you join? What was, what was your job? What was it like? You know, and these kind of very, very broad questions that I wanted to answer, but I felt like they all required more time and attention than, you know, at a party or, you know, at a show or just you know, hanging out somewhere with, at a friend's house, you know, it it, it doesn't make me super fun at parties to just kind of veer into conversations about the military (laughs) turns out. So I decided to think of the stories that I most wanted to tell that best illustrated the answers to those questions because I could just say like what I said, like the military seemed like the best idea at the time or, you know, I could do my best to show you the the situation as it was, and um, you know, maybe give people a chance to see through my eyes um, the you know the system as I got to know it. You know, I I went in kind of a blank slate and came out with a lot of ideas <laughs> and a lot of theories and a lot of rage, you know, um, toward a, a, you know from exploitation and trauma, and just, you know, having six years of my life having been just sort of taken out of my control.
0: Well, you did serve a special purpose in the military. Tell us what they had you doing.
1: Yeah, so my job was public affairs, which they also called print journalism. They have broadcast journalists too, but basically we create essentially... um, marketing, you know, propaganda, let's just say it, um, (laughs) internal propaganda that is, um, made to look like newspapers kind of Fox news. I mean, essentially like the, the military, I mean, or any, honestly, any like corporate (laughs) newsletter, if you want to be real about it.
0: This was news you were writing for consumption by other military service men and women.
1: Yes. Essentially I would write articles and create, um, publications whose purpose was to tell the good news of everything that the military was doing and to be, you know, morale boosting and support the command team. Um, The shorthand for it was called command information. And so that was what we were in charge of. It was interesting because we're also soldiers ourselves. So um, that was part of, you know, how I, how I started to become even more critical than I maybe thought thought I was initially.
0: Yeah. And so you went into this military service, as you say, a blank slate and you developed some ideas and some, some thoughts about, you know, what was happening to you over these six years and, you know, the experiences and the book is called, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying and other lessons I learned in the army. Well, Share with us one of the lessons you feel is important uh, that you learned through your military service.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I would say the first the title of the book is probably the most important lesson I, you know, I learned, realized that, you know, honesty and integrity are not the, the army way (laughs) or the American way really. And, um, and that in order to get ahead and to survive, even you have to be able to cheat the game because essentially, I mean, the game is rigged, right? So in order to, in order to keep it from beating you, you have to find ways to cheat it. That was a thing that, you know, I learned first in basic training and then had to kind of keep learning it in really, (laughs) really uh, painful ways because I am a slow learner in many ways. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so, you know, I went into the military not really knowing what the military's role was anymore, but knowing that, you know, the Vietnam War had been wrong. That was the most the most uh, prominent one that I had heard about. I didn't really know much about the first Gulf War or anything really. It happened when I was a kid. So I, I kind of went in feeling like, you know, the military was not like the the best thing for me necessarily as like a person who did consider myself anti-war um, in many ways, but didn't really know what that meant as far as how to be, you know, a person in this system it was anti-war. I had a lot to
0: learn. <laughs> well, I mentioned this before we got on the air. If you're comfortable with talking about MST as it sometimes referred to military sexual trauma, I'd like to bring that up because you talk about it in the book. It's something that you've mm-hmm. shared here on the full circle KPFA airwaves before. Talk about, it, I just, I guess I would say in general terms about, you know, how the military deals with uh, military sexual trauma and And how would you classify military sexual trauma for people that may have never heard of you know military sexual trauma?
1: Yeah um, so military sexual trauma is essentially you know sexual assault that happens while you're in the military usually between other soldiers um, or other me- military members and it's um, it's very um, prevalent I mean it's very common I don't know any. personally any female person especially in the military who's never been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed like it's it happens to everybody um and the way that the military deals with it is you know in theory you can report it to your command team and get accountability that way in theory. But in practice, um, you know, the burden of proof is on you. And if there is anything that the military can use against you to discredit you, um, they will do it because what the military does not like to do is, is a uh, process or prosecute sexual assault. It's just too common. They would be prosecuting, um, so many people if, if they did. So, um, a lot of us don't report it. I didn't report mine because the circumstances of mine were that if anybody knew that I had been in a room, essentially, like we, when we were deployed, we had these like trailers with little rooms that we shared two person to a room and, uh, males and females were not allowed, allowed to be in each other's rooms. So, because I was in the room, I would have gotten in trouble for being in the room at all. And what happened to me as a result of me being in the room would have been, you know, completely dismissed. And I probably, it would have been worse for me if I had said something. So, um, and that's, you know, just one experience. Um, and I don't know, I haven't talked to everybody, but all of my femme friends who've been in the military um, can confirm similar things.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. I'm so sorry that that happened to you, of course. And let's be clear here. It's not just um, women. It's also men that this happens to. And mm-hmm. I always get worried because I just lost, um, I like to put it that way. I just lost a cousin to the military who just mm. um, signed up for service. And my gift to him at that time, I dropped in his gift box, was the uh, Smedley Butler book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or so. is a racket. I threw that in there to do what I can. Um, if I had your book at that moment, I could have stuck it in, mm-hmm. but you were still working on it. Um, well, thank you for yeah. sharing about that, because I know it's it's important to share that. And it's something you cover more in the book. Well, before we move on out of your book, I want to talk about something else that you do. I know you speak at high schools to students about your experiences in the military. And I know now um, that you've become, through your military experience, more of a veteran for peace Mm-hmm. the organization as well as a personal warrior for peace mm-hmm. and um I just want to know is this book like a larger expression of your sharing to the kids that maybe I don't want to put it this way but maybe almost kind of like a warning to others <laughs> through your stories of you know what the military is really like once you get in there mm.
1: yeah I, well I would say I don't talk about it in the book i I kind of I don't really go all the way, all the way into, you know, the activism that I have been doing now, but, um, but yes, I would say the book is kind of like a, a long form version of, of what I try to, to tell the students that I get a chance to speak to not to necessarily. um, I'm not, when I speak to students, I'm never trying to convince them to not join the military because first of all, like, if you try to convince somebody of something that they've already made their mind up on, they're just going to sink in further. And second of all, like, you know, some people really, you know, for one reason or another, the military does some, some kind of good in their lives. And, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody like how to get their needs met. Um, But what I do tell them is like, this is what it's really like if you're going to go in go in with eyes wide open to what this government does when you agree to be owned by it and you know you are your government property you're you're in a job that you can't quit and in which you know you can't really s- report any problematic management anybody who harms you anybody who betrays your trust or exploits you and when it all comes down to it when you do the math it's like what 2 dollars an hour or something like that and so, you know, I just try to put it in those terms because I don't think that anybody would would choose to be in the military if it was laid out as bare as it is for them, and instead of being dressed up in this um, patriotic propaganda, you know, costume where it's like you're a hero if you join the military. It's like, no, what does the military do to us? you know, in the sake of doing things for us or, you know, in the name of doing things for us, which it doesn't do. You know, when you join the military, you essentially give up all of the rights that you say you're defending. And then when you get out, you kind of realize that the only way you have those rights is if you comply with the system anyway. So what are you really fighting for? These were the questions that I had to ask myself. Um, And so I try to help kids Uh, ask those questions before they go in and, you know, have to learn all these lessons for themselves. And, you know, again, not everybody agrees with me and all my assessments, but that is fine.
0: (laughs) I hear that. We don't all agree on everything. Um, Was this something you wish you had um, to counter the words of the recruiter before you signed the paper?
1: Oh my God. Yeah. If some, I, I wrote this book because it was the book I would have needed to read <laughs> as a 19 year old, you know, like I, I needed to, to learn this stuff. And I, there was nobody writing this kind of stuff that I was seeing anyway, when I was 19, maybe there were, maybe there were, but like the military is changing all the time too. So I wish that I had learned these lessons before joining the
0: army. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's the voice of my special guest tonight. Multi-talented musician, author, military veteran, veteran for peace, folk singer, boxer, (laughs) all that and more. Her name is Joy Damiani. She's joining us for the hour tonight, and she's been speaking about her book, If You Ain't Cheatin', You Ain't Tryin', and other lessons I learned in the Army. Real quick, before we take another music break, where can um, people support uh, getting your book and I know we don't want to go through the, the space clown, mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos. How could we, yeah. indi- how could we independently support your work?
1: Um, I do have an order form on my website, joydamiani.com because yeah, I don't want to support um, the space clown either. Uh, <laughs> so uh, also if people wanted to request it for their local library, that is an option too because I know not everybody can afford to buy a book. So Joydamiani.com. D-A-M-I-A-N-I is the way Damiani is spelled.
0: All right. Well, we're about to take another music break. And tonight we are featuring your music, Joy Damiani. Yay. What music break would you like to go to right now? And then tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, this, this song is called Brains in Meat Suits. And I wrote it as a sort of, um, you know, little feel better song for myself. I write every, (laughs) I think I write everything I write for myself, Um, just as a as a reminder to to myself and anyone else who needs it that we are constantly changing organisms um, when it all comes down to it, and you know we can put all of the trappings of individuality on, but, you know, when it comes down to it, we're all just wonderful shifting creatures.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, take this music break. This is brains in meat suits by our featured artist tonight. Joy Damiani. We'll be right back to full circle on KPFA. Keep it locked right here. Welcome back. You're listening to full circle right here on 94.1 FM Pacifica radio. That song you just heard was brains in meat suits by our special guest tonight. Joy Damiani. Joy, again, tell us where folks can find your music as we get ready to talk about your music career.
1: Yeah, it's uh, at my website, joydamiani.com. And uh, there's links to stream my latest album and see my latest videos, which there is a video of that song that we just played, Brains in Meat Suits, that I recorded, um, filmed up here in Portland with a really awesome videographer, Kai Indemauer, and uh, and some lovely people. So yeah, and you can see the fun and shenanigans we put together there, as well as... uh, the first song that we opened with it's all right to not be okay. We have a video of that too, of me getting my ass kicked in the
0: boxing ring before
1: learning to actually box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I liked that one. I liked watching that one. All right. Well um, again, that's joy. Will you be able to find her work? Um, all of her work, especially her music, which we're going to talk about right now. And I guess I'd like to ask how you got started because what I first remember Um, seeing was a Facebook post that said eventual ukulele star and I was like all right a ukulele (laughs) (laughs) Uh, tell us first why you chose that instrument and then what got you into performing and choosing the ukulele and folk music as a way to share
1: I picked the ukulele because it was the first instrument with strings that I learned how to play. And, uh, I have small hands (laughs) and it was a nice little adorable instrument that I could play anything I wanted on. And when I was practicing, you know, early on, this was now like, yeah, 2011, you know, I was just practicing and putting words in there to entertain myself with the chords and realized like, Oh, songwriting could be, Um, a really fun thing for me because often I will tell people my opinions and they will get mad. So what if I could make them into fun singing rhymes? (laughs) And I, uh, and I, I decided to go with, you know, eventual ukulele superstar because I thought it just sounded so ridiculous and hyperbolic and like dream big. Right. And I had a a different name then, which was much more common and I wanted it to, to
0: kind of stand apart, um, it definitely stood out to me. I was like, ukulele star. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about it because I've been following your musical journey and I guess your life on social media. <laughs> and you talk about some of the challenges of the folk music industry. Tell us about some of your experiences circulating in these crowds and trying to become this musician who can play gigs and, you know, maybe get paid and try to eke a living out of music. Um, what was it like out there?
1: I mean, it was interesting, right? Because I, I had never played music until I was 28 and then I learned to play music and I started uh, writing songs and recording albums, um, right away because I was married to a musician and that was like, I was just like, okay, this is apparently what you do. you, write songs, you record them, you perform them, you do the thing. And so I was doing that and I really enjoyed it. You know, it was a very male dominated scene. And I found that I, I couldn't get gigs with at all different kinds of venues because, um, you know, my songs were quote unquote offensive and there were bad words and I talked about porn or whatever, you know, <laughs> you can't sing songs about menstruation and play at all of the classy venues, apparently. <laughs> but I think you should be able to. And it is actually more and more these days as it should be. And there are others who I've been inspired by. When I first started writing songs, I was listening to a lot of Kimia Dawson, who's one of my my favorite songwriters and musicians, and uh, just really appreciated the way she was able to take these like cute songs and say like, whatever she wanted in them. Uh, So I started saying whatever I wanted in songs. And, um, you know, I think probably rubbed some people the wrong way. And, you know, didn't really fit the definition in the scene that I was kind of And because of my ex-husband it wasn't really like a conducive to you know outspoken femmes who are combat veterans and have a lot of opinions Uh
0: (laughs) let me talk to you about that because i know a lot of your music and songs are filled with messages and experiences of your life and it's kind of a way you share some of your stories And you mentioned that earlier talk about the importance of sharing your stories through music and, you know, what it does not only for you, but, you know, what are you hoping it to do, you know, for the world?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, well, it's such a cathartic um, experience to write a song and, and perform it for people and have them relate to it. You know, I've had so many people tell me over the years that, A song that they relate to, one of the song that I've written, and and I feel like that's kind of like the ultimate goal of human experience in my mind is like connecting and relating because that's what that's literally like all we can do on this earth, you know, Um, it's it's the human experience, and for me, writing songs was a a really has been still is a great way to express my political opinions, um, also to heal from like domestic abuse after, um, you know, my, my last full length album was essentially my, my ex told me to find my own closure <laughs> on his way out the door. And I said, all right, here's an album. Or I didn't say it at the time. At the time I said a lot of other words, but, um, <laughs> at the, but a couple of years later I said, here's an album. And, uh, and it felt really good to, um, to just, I don't know, I'm not saying like the, the demons were all exercised or whatever, but to to put all of those complicated emotions and, um, you know, really dark feelings into something that I can see, listen to and feel is, is a beautiful, you know, expression, or at least, you know, a complete creative <laughs> expression, I guess beauty is in the ear of the beholder or whatever. But it reminded me that life needs to be processed in so many different ways if we're going to be even like remotely okay. Um, and I feel really fortunate to be able to, to put all of my processings into songs and, um, you know, words, cause it it's just, you know, it, you don't always need words to relate to people. Um, sometimes words get in the way, you know, but I feel like, I have been able to heal a lot and learn a lot and just, you know, sort of maintain some semblance of sanity um, because of writing songs.
0: And this is coming out of what you started to talk about earlier was a domestic violence situation that you are a survivor of.
1: Yeah. I really, um, partly because of the way that the, music scene and industry is, I knew the first time I experienced um, violence from my musician partner that if I were to speak out about it, things would not go well for me. I was not an established member of that community, whereas he was. And when I did speak out about it, one of his bandmates decided to Tell everybody he thought I had spoken to that I was just a crazy, angry veteran who was using the Me Too movement or like some kind of really just really horrible, slanderous stuff. And um, and so as a result, I kind of was like, all right, I'm not going to try to work in this scene anymore. I'm not going to try to like get on stages with people who won't believe me or support me when I speak out about um, domestic violence, just because this this person is a musician that they like, um, that they think they know, you know. And I learned from my experience with domestic violence in the military that people just aren't always gonna believe you. They're not always gonna support you. It's terrible, you know. It's the patriarchy. And I thought that quote unquote progressive types that I met in the Bay Area were gonna be better than that, but I you know, kind of just came to start calling them the tie-dye patriarchy. It's not a safe world out there, you know, and especially if you are in an industry that will exploit you for your gender and will, will silence you if you disturb the status quo. So, you know, I've had to do a lot of work to heal from, from that. And I've had to basically kind of give up playing music in a lot of ways because I would reach out to people who I used to play with and they would not get back to me. Or, you know, I would just hear, hear things about myself, um, through the grapevine and be like, all right, I guess I'm just not going to be able to do this anymore. So I'm going to start trying to, to get back onto stages again soon, but it was very disheartening and destabilizing for a while and so and you know for better or worse it made me focus on my book instead of focusing on playing shows
0: this is also what led to the this beautiful name that I refer to you as Joy Damiani want to tell me about this beautiful name
1: (laughs) thank you yeah well so Damiani was my family name my great-grandfather changed it anglicized it you know, about a hundred years ago now, I guess I would say when he first came to the U S because Italians were not white people at that point. (laughs) So he changed it and joy was my middle name. So when I, when I got divorced, I, I was in the middle of grad school. I was in the middle of like a lot of, um, you know, upheaval and I didn't change it right away. But, um, when I moved to Oregon. Turns out, for anybody in the Bay Area who's wondering how you can change your name really cheaply, you can do it in Oregon. It's one hundred and twenty-four dollars. <laughs> um, it, it was a hard decision, right? Because I had been performing as this one name for about ten years. You know, uh, it was a name that I had put a lot of work into getting out there and um, being known as. But then, you know, with the the trauma of the abuse, both the violence within the marriage and the manipulations and abuse that came through the divorce, I realized I just couldn't carry that name anymore. I couldn't carry the name of a person who so remorselessly harmed me. And I also um, had some other family issues that I, you know, I wanted to release. And so I decided to promote my middle name, Joy. And I decided to, uh, to take my family name back, Damiani and not change it again. <laughs> not for a marriage, not for the military, not for you know, any any reason. Not that the military makes you change your name, but I did get married once in the military because they pay you more in the military when you get married, it turns out. You get paid a housing allowance, which is like several
0: hundred dollars more per month. Um, thank you for sharing that story about your name. And I, I don't know exactly what to say, but I want to say congratulations on <laughs> your new start and thank your, you. your great, beautiful name that you reclaimed.
1: Thank you so much. It was important for me to claim my own name and also to just kind of let go of whatever I had built. I hate that we were, we all have to brand ourselves these days, you know, and I was kind of relieved to be like, you know what, I'm done with this thinking that I can't change my name because I've built a brand like who cares? It doesn't matter. What matters more is being who I am and being wearing the name that is the best, you know, that is my name. And hopefully people will still like what I do and follow it. And they won't like lose track of me because I changed my name ideally. Like you didn't. So thank you. (laughs) No,
0: no, we're, we're staying in touch. All right. Well, again, that is the voice of my very special guest tonight, Joy Damiani. And she is a multi-talented artist who does folk music, um, sings. She's an author of a new book, If You Ain't Cheatin', You Ain't Trying," and Other Lessons I Learned in the Army. And um, (laughs) we're going to take another music break coming up right here on Full Circle. Tell us about this next song you want to share, Joy. This next
1: song is called Somebody's Heaven. And it's on my, my album called Notes to Self and Others that came out in December 2020. And I wrote it in a writing program at Naropa University for the Jack Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics, where I was a student at the time. Because that's, I got to tell you, if you're going through a terrible divorce, like, and you're in grad school, like, it's really great if the grad school is for experimental poetry. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I had a, a really wonderful workshop with a poet and, s- and sound artist, Janice Lowe. And uh, she assigned us to write a song during the week or to at least write a bit of a song. And so this song came out of that and out of the experience that I was literally going to to court for my divorce and having my money extorted from my, from me in the middle of this, writing this and realizing that this person who I had thought of as, you know, my soulmate, so to speak, was, you know, also capable of being the bane of my existence. (laughs) So, and, uh, and yeah, and I just kind of realized like how common a, how common a situation that is. We are, we are all multitudes, right? The song is called Somebody's Heaven, and it features um, the wonderful clarinet and kazoo stylings of Nathan Moore.
0: All right. Check it out on Full Circle on KPFA. We'll be right back.
2: Everybody's somebody's heaven. Everybody's someone's heaven. Everybody's somebody's bed of roses Everyone is someone else's horrible smell Everybody's somebody's sunshine Everybody's someone's rain Everybody's somebody's warm and fuzzy Everyone is someone else's agonizing pain Will you show me skies you say that lady she's certainly evil i see her as a sunbeam shining down from the sky because everybody's somebody's heaven everybody's someone's hell everybody's somebody's somebody's sunshine everybody's someone's rain everybody's somebody's warm and fun
0: All right. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA. Part of the Pacifica Radio Network. That song you just heard was Somebody's Heaven. And it was performed by my special guest tonight, Joy Damiani. Thank you for sharing all this music tonight, Joy. I really appreciate the work that you do and the selflessness that you share, not only through your music, but your social media, your book now, you know, You're just out there with these stories. And I feel like it's what we really need in the world. If we were more open and honest, Um, I think a lot of us, um, like you said earlier, if you'd had your book, you may not have signed those papers to join the military. People need um, honesty and um, true life lessons to really make an informed decision on um, what they're going to do with the one life they got. So uh, thank you very much for all the sharing that you've done. And we're not done because we've talked about some of your music, we've talked about your book, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, and other lessons, lessons I learned in the Army, um, your musical career, your author, your boxer, which we haven't really talked about. but uh, you also have uh, you also have done a podcast called What the Folk? And we featured you here on full circle to talk about your podcast in the past, and I'll post a link to that episode after the show tonight on our website, but let's, um, just remind people the idea around your podcast, uh, what the folk and what people will hear, um, when they tune into your podcast.
1: Yeah. So much credit goes to my co host, Sarah Baranowskis, because she was the one who suggested uh, that we start the podcast when she saw me kind of ranting on social media a lot. (laughs) She was like, you know, I've noticed you have a lot of complaints. Would you like to start a podcast? And I said, yes. And so we decided that the way, the direction we wanted to go was just to have conversations with people. who are currently doing things that inspire us, um, in some kind of revolutionary way, uh, some kind of work that is like an antidote to the apocalypse (laughs) because we, we really, um, kind of see what's going on right now in the world as apocalyptic and in the literal way of, um, a massive unveiling going on right now. The veil of capitalism and imperialism is all being kind of pulled back right now in a very stark way. And also the climate the climate is uh, <laughs> a shift in. So Sarah and I wanted to talk to people who were doing work that was, you know, keeping people in touch with our humanity in touch with our power of as human beings in touch with our multiplicity. Um, so we wanted to, to bring in artists and academics and philosophers and historians and musicians, um, all different people, uh, you know, activists, like doing, doing things that make the world a slightly, um, better place, you know, make the, the apocalypse slightly more bearable.
0: <laughs> and, uh, Real quick, before we run out of time, tell us a couple of your favorite episodes of What the Folk podcast um, that you featured and, uh, you know, who the folks were that you had on.
1: Yeah. Okay. so let's see. We had Lola Jean Darling on a couple of times. She's a really fantastic um, trans-Indigenous artist and musician in New Orleans who's doing just some really wonderful work to keep people's ears and, and eyes open to the the queerness of, of life and art and everything, and to decolonize as much as possible the, the space that they're in. We talked with Carla Bergman um, about her book, Joyful Militancy, that she co-authored uh, with Nick Montgomery, and I think that a lot of the ideas that she puts out in that book and in that interview are really beautiful and revolutionary, um, and uh, in the sense of joy being a state of capacity for affecting change
0: more than an emotion. Hey. And hence the name Joy Damiani.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and it's actually that her book was recommended to me by my friend who I think you also know, Eleanor Goldfield, uh, who we also had featured on the podcast. When I changed my name, I I told Eleanor and Eleanor was like, have you read this book, Joyful Militancy? So I highly recommend Joyful Militancy to anybody who's interested. And yeah, that's one of my favorite episodes so far.
0: All right. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. That's the voice of my special guest, Joy Damiani. And um, she's a writer, a musician. Um, we mentioned a boxer, <laughs> a storyteller, <laughs> a military veteran survivor, and a world traveler, also a warrior for peace. And I thank you so much, Joy, for sharing with us tonight and sharing in general because you're putting it out there for everyone to see. And I think it's beneficial. Um, for people when they get honest opinions and honest stories out of people. And before we let you go, I want to give you the opportunity real quick just to um, throw out the places where people could follow your work or um, follow you on social media, whatever you would like to share. And of course, I'll remind everybody that we'll post a link to all of this on our website after the show tonight, kpfaapprentice.org. So Joy, before we leave you, what are the um, best ways to follow you, to keep in touch with you, to contact you, um, to get your book, all the great stuff?
1: Mm-hmm. All the great stuff. Um, JoyDamiani.com is my website. And if you want to follow me on the socials, it's at JoyDamianiMusic because I, words and music was just too much words. <laughs> so JoyDamianiMusic on Instagram and Facebook, And I'm on Twitter still, although I don't really do much with it. And as we all know, it is now a dumpster fire. But I am on Twitter as uh, at try not to be a dick.
0: <laughs> all right. Yeah, I've been following that, too. Um, well, at least the Facebook one. And uh, again, that's the voice of my special guest, Joy Damiani. Joy, one more time, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight on Full Circle. And if we have time, I'll close out with one more song. What would you like to share if we have time?
1: I would like it to be a song off of my last album called Love Yourself, which was um, mixed by... uh, Bay Area engineer Jules and Delicato, they are featured on that track as well, and um, it's it's a song I wrote to make myself feel better about the you know just loving myself and uh, keeping in mind that the haters are going to hate. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, well, thank you very much, Joy Damiani. We appreciate you and um, your sharing very much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I just really appreciate this this opportunity to have this conversation
0: thank you and be sure to um check out her website joydamiani.com and check out that new book and pick up one support this independent artist all right thank you joy you have a good night
1: yes thanks you too
3: kind of like taking care of yourself and making sure you're acknowledging your feelings. Like you could be sad and if you're not acknowledging that, you could kind of feel more sad and it wouldn't you would never get past that. And if and taking care of yourself is like taking care of your personal self and taking care of your hair and your health and and being careful of what you do with your body. What do you do to love yourself? I I pay attention to my needs. I mean, when I'm hungry, I, I eat. <laughs> when I am bored, I'll, like, read, or when I'm feeling things, I'll do something to help that, you know? But not if I'm happy. <laughs> of course, I don't want to make happy go away. <laughs> That's what it means to love yourself.
0: And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. That last song you just heard was Love Yourself. It was written and performed by Joy Damiani, who was our special guest for the hour tonight. Shout out to you, Joy Damiani. As always, it's great to speak with you. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Just after the show tonight for pictures, archives, shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show. We'll also post all of Joy's links and the videos we featured tonight from Joy Damiani. Shout out to the Full Circle crew. Miss M is the executive producer and me, Will and Franklin. I have been your host for tonight. I am also the technical director for this show, Full Circle. Quick reminder, the KPFA Holiday Crafts Fair will be tomorrow and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Alameda County Fairgrounds, including a shuttle from Dublin Pleasanton BART Station. You can check out kpfacraftfair.com for more information about tickets and location and whatever else you need to know. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, Please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.